Welcome to the Mission LHC podcast, where you'll hear real conversations with a married couple that are on a mission to help other couples as they learn to love, honor, and cherish each other in all stages of marriage. My name is Heath Yearwood. And I'm Amanda Yearwood. And thanks for joining us as we laugh together and share our story together in hopes that we can be an encouragement to you. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. We are glad to have you to join us again for another episode of Mission LHC, and it seems like it's been a while since we've been on here. I know it's probably just a week for some of y'all, but it seems like it's uh, been longer than that. I know. When we try to record things ahead of time, knowing we've got a busy schedule, it, it makes for a long gap between our recordings. Well, unfortunately tonight, we don't have some great guests that's going to be there. You're going to have to put up with Amanda and I uh, talking to you a little bit. But uh, we've got a, a topic that's kind of difficult to talk about. It's something that I think a lot of people out there listening may be affected by it. And you know, too many times, Amanda, and a lot of the things uh, when you in your lives, you keep them kind of hid or in church, you don't talk about certain things. And uh, this one is something that's near and dear to your heart, and uh, it's and something that's caused you a lot of uh, stress and turmoil over the years. And uh, sure, well, I'll I'll go ahead and say this. I mean, which I don't know really exactly what direction the conversation will go in, but um, I will say if you're a, someone out there who likes to listen to podcasts in the car, it might be a good idea to listen when the kiddos' ears aren't listening. Um, but we are going to talk about some things that are hard to talk about today. Well, and then as we were talking about this, we were, you know, debating about what to say and this and that. We're just going to pray that the Lord will lead. And, you know, that we, we always try to pray before we begin a podcast that His will will be done in whatever we go over. And, you know, Amanda kind of got emotional as we were going into it because of... You know, what we're going to deal with, it may be something that's affected you before, but it's about endometriosis. And that that was a big part of our early marriage that we had to deal with. And, you know, we've been going through a, a, a training class uh, at our church that we're going to be able to work with some couples and stuff like that. And, you know, it talks about the relationships, uh, like a early marriage, you know, the importance of... Uh, you know, uh, being with that other person and, and, and building that relationship strong. And then you even talk about, uh, as the Bible speaks about knowing someone and being together. Mm -hmm. And of course, in an early marriage, that's a very important thing. And so as we talk tonight, we're going to go over some things and situations that we kind of had to live through and at an early stage of our marriage. And I guess, you know, we've always said we felt that God had his hands on our marriage and, you know, to endure some of that during the first few years and everything, I believe you really did. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we look back on it now and it's, there's part of it's really just a blur and, you know, trying to remember all the details of, of those hardships we went through early on in marriage. But, but then again, being humbled by when we look back at it now and realizing that God's hand was on it the whole time. Well, you know, we end up uh, being married, and you know, when you when you're single, everybody has a question: What do they want to know when you're single? <laughs> when you're single, they want to know when are you getting married? And you get tired of hearing that a lot of times, <laughs> yeah. especially if you hadn't met the, the spouse that you're supposed to be with, and you know, you don't know where you're going to meet them. So everybody wants to know, and then the more people start getting married, your friends. Lucky enough for me, 
I, I was one of the first of all my friends to get married, so that kind of helped me. But if you're we on, didn't date long enough for people to ask when we're getting no. married, and it, it was more of a question. You're getting married already? <laughs> and you were young when we got married. I, I say young, but how old were you? I was 21. All right. So when we start telling this story, you're going to realize that you know she was only 21 and I was 24, we 24 yeah. and uh, had to look at her for that one. The same thing on years and dates. <laughs> But um, we weren't real old at the time, and she definitely wasn't. So to start going through some of these problems that we're going to talk about early on in marriage, uh, that that lets you know, you know, you were a young person to be going through that. Yeah, it was it was tough. So, um, so you had already mentioned what we're going to talk about is endometriosis, but you know, the the idea of intimacy in marriage and um, those things you go through and. Um, the fears of infertility and you know those aren't really things you think about when you're dating um, and so I don't I know that when we were dating we we knew that we wanted to one day have kids um, that was kind of understood and well we even talked about it in premarital counseling you know we want we knew we wanted to have kids but you know it was a thought of our future that's something in our future um, but I remember after um or really right before we got married um for the first time um i was um my doctor put me on birth control you know just like most couples do before they get married and um i had always had bad cycles even as a teenager um my cycles were really rough a lot of pain um but after i went on that birth control they seemed to increasingly get a little worse um, which is the opposite of what normally happens and I remember we were about six months into our marriage still a very new marriage and I started experiencing enough problems that um, I had concerns and talked to my doctor about it and at six months into the marriage it was hard for me to hear from my doctor that he believed I had endometriosis um, and I remember just being terrified because that was something that was in my family. Well, and, and you bring that up. You had an aunt that you were very close to, very similar to a lot of times, a lot of the things. And if you all ever remember an episode, we were talking about her aunt, Judy. Mm -hmm. She experienced this uh, in her family and everything. And you'd seen her struggles and stuff. Yeah. And she, I mean, Aunt Judy, I mean, she was precious. She was that person that um was a mother figure to so many of her students uh, she was a, an educator she was also a school counselor um, but she was never able to have children of her own because of her endometriosis so immediately when my doctor told me that I was I remember being terrified um it's kind of like a curse almost like yeah. you felt like you know that that we had always wanted to have kids and you know the first question everybody asks, is when you're going to get married. Then after you get married, when are you going to have kids? Mm -hmm. And that's a question that starts to come about. And a lot of you out there listening, we we had Blake and Jen Thompson that talked a little bit about their struggles of, of having children off. And, you know, you start seeing your best friends have kids and different ones and stuff. And you start, you know, it's like the clock's ticking. And that pressure and everything comes on a lot of times. Now, we didn't really have that, but... 
worrying about the long-term effects that, that we wouldn't be able to have children. And you knew that was important because you've seen me with kids when I was coaching and different things. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I remember, you know, all those thoughts running through my head, those those fears, those scripts in my head that, um, you know, to me, in my mind, they made total sense of, you know, well, what if he he doesn't want to stay married to me if I don't have kids, if I can't have kids. And, uh, you know, just all those lies that the devil tells you. But um, when we had been married six months and that that flare-up, really, it really got more intense. Um, And when you talk about that, mm -hmm. it was when you would have your cycles and things Mm -hmm. like that and also when we would be together, it would be very painful. The times of intimacy... Um, I hate to say that I began to dread those, but I, I mean, really, I began to dread those. And, um, what you probably didn't know, I don't think I've ever told you is that, um, when I would prepare for those times, I would go ahead and make sure I had taken ibuprofen to make sure that, um, it wouldn't hurt and you know and and I look back at that now and I think really that's kind of sad when you think about preparing to be with the person you love you know you think about fixing your hair putting on your makeup looking real nice and for me my preparation was trying to be able to prepare to endure and and you know and I knew a lot of that even not not the extent of what you're talking about but that you, you it, there was not joy with something going on when you are in pain. You know, I would, I would go like if you had blisters all over your feet and you're having to wear tennis shoes. Yeah, you can put the tennis shoes on and you can walk around, but it's just hurting you. And that's kind of where it got to be the point that it, you know, it was, it wasn't something that was uh, spontaneous. It was something, you know, it was, it was having to be. Pre- prepared or planned mm-hmm. and you know that ain't the way it was meant to be yeah. and you know and and one thing as we've been going in our class it talks about some of these things there are a lot of people that experience all kind of issues all kind of things that are going on the great thing about it is today is there's all types of medical doctors that can help in situations that are going on don't think that everything is normal in situations like that, you know, and find the right doctors that can help you research. Now, the thing about it is you've got uh, your computers, you can find anything, <laughs> research local people back. We were so old, you didn't have all that. Yeah, there was no such thing as the internet at that point. And so the only research you could do were to actually buy books. And, and I remember reading books and trying to figure out what's wrong. And of course, I was young. I was so young that... You know, I didn't really completely understand what was going on. And and I'll just tell you that, I mean, the the lies that the devil was feeding me is, you know, this is your fault. Um, you know, I've shared before my story and, you know, I made a lot of bad decisions, you know, in my youth and before we were married. And, you know, there was a, a part of uh, me that was saying, you know, this is your fault for those things that you had done before. And, um, and, and I also have always struggled with that idea of how could someone love me? And, and to me, that was just another nail in the coffin of a reason why you wouldn't love me. 
So you're going through that, you go to the doctor, the doctor talks about uh, there's something you can do to try to help you, maybe, uh, and, and if you don't know really, kind of explain what endometriosis is for people out there that don't really understand. Well, and I mean, I don't know if it's the same for everybody, but for me, that um, that endometrial tissue, that tissue that... Um, supposed to be on the inside of yours. Yes, it was outside and every time I would have a cycle um, that would get even worse and so the the way your body's supposed to properly work mine didn't work that way because there were so many things going on inside and outside right so the, the gist of it is uh, in order for this to happen this would happen when your cycles and things were going they basically had to put you in menopause so they give you the oh, well yeah well, let's let's back up and say this so when my doctor um did diagnose me with endometriosis he he basically gave me a couple of options and he was he was very honest with me um and he couldn't guarantee that we would ever be able to have children um, but he he did tell me that our best um, chance of having kids was to start right away, start trying right away. Or one other option we had was to delay by um, tricking my body to think it was in menopause. And, and that's <laughs> the funny thing. So we're in a the the marriage class that we're learning how to you know to go over some stuff to help help couples and everything. And the other day we were talking and they were talking about when people go through menopause and stuff that almost like they change personalities, some of the women completely. <laughs> and so everybody was kind of laughing about that. Well, I, I told them that we understand exactly how it was, but we went through it when she was 21 or 22 20, years old. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they all looked at us like, what? And I was like, so we told them the story about some of this. So basically they put you on Lupron. Mm -hmm. And it causes your body basically to go in menopause. For, yeah, it it completely stopped all my cycles, all those functions. For so I was in like real menopause, and I remember, I I mean it's kind of embarrassing to look back at now, but I really think it's a great example of when your hormones are out of whack, you can do crazy things. And so in this part of my life, that basically my hormones are shut down. Um, it's like they've taken that out of my body so that my body will slow down and, and chill out a little bit. But I remember having road rage and just being uh, easily upset and saying things I wouldn't normally say. And bless your heart. I mean, I don't know how you endured that because I was not a pleasant person to be around. And here we are only six months into our marriage, you know. So Good that, thing I was coaching late. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So, I mean, I remember nights I would wake up with hot flashes, hot flashes of sweat. And you, I remember a few times you were just so sweet and you would go wet a washcloth and you would put it on my face or on my feet trying remember, to help me cool that's down. that's the kind of guy I am right there. So don't forget that. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, it's amazing when we talk about this. You know, it's been several years ago when all this was taking <laughs> place. a long time, yeah. But I can still remember being there with Dr. Ray when he was going over the options of some of that mm -hmm. and him talking to us about 
you know, what we could do and, you know, if you wanted to try to have kids. And we didn't want to start having kids that early. We wanted to be together for a little bit. <laughs> I mean, really, we hadn't even known each other we a year had a year when point. he starts talking about this. So we, we didn't want to rush into anything. So this goes on. So that lasts about nine months. Mm -hmm. And then they take you off the Lupron. And, you know, your body slowly starts coming back around. But mm -hmm. what we were thinking about during that time, if your body's been completely shut down, for nine months, we were thinking in our mind, it may take six months to a year yeah. before your body is up going where everything is go functioning like it should and your, you know, your ovaries are... And work. still at this point, there's no guarantee that I'm even going to be able to conceive, you know. Right. So, the... We, you know, we, we do decide to go ahead and try to start having kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you can take it from this point. <laughs> so I, when, I, when I was thinking about this earlier, I thought, okay, first of all, we are so young and just ignorant is what we were, I suppose. We were just ignorant. And you were young, remember. I was yeah. ignorant. <laughs> but, and still am. You know, we've talked on this podcast before about how poor we were. I mean, we really didn't have anything. We were one-income family. I was in college. Um, and here we are now faced with um, we want to have a child. We're not really sure if we're ready to have a child yet. But we, we know we don't want to miss our opportunity. And um, so... After, you know, my body got back in a rhythm just a couple months in, I thought there was a chance that I might be. And I remember us going to town <laughs> to buy a... Are you... <laughs> We had to eat. We had to eat value meals everywhere that yes. we went. And there was one place that we could go to that... Uh, well, there were two places. Yeah. There was Hot and Now and Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, we could afford those two at the time, so. Yeah, we had 99-cent burrito at Taco Bell. And uh, and we probably shared a drink, but we got yeah, a drink. We did share a drink, yeah. And so I remember that day I, I convinced you when you got home that maybe we could run to town and get a pregnancy test. We lived so far out in the country yeah. that uh, there was nothing nearby, so you'd have to drive 15 or 20 miles to get to town. <laughs> you, you had to make an appointment to do that. You just didn't <laughs> run to the Walmart to, yeah. or somewhere to a store to get something. Yeah, it was a trek. So I remember us going to the store. We bought a pregnancy test, and we got a, a taco at Taco Bell. I'm sure we shared a drink, and um, we got back to our little trailer, and, you know, we really didn't think that it would even be possible that I was pregnant. I mean, we were so unconvinced and unexcited that you didn't even uh, stay involved in, in the testing. I remember... Uh, I was on the couch. <laughs> I think I was probably talking to Mike on the phone, on the my phone. friend. Yeah. And I can still remember being on the edge of the uh, the couch and you walking up to it. Yeah. And <laughs> so, <laughs> so while you're on the couch talking on the phone, I'm trying to read the instructions on how to take this pregnancy test, which I think I'd taken one before. Hey, and was it nice not to have to have reading glasses then? <laughs> <laughs> True that. I mean, yes. <laughs> we're all, we're both at the age now that we pick up something now. We can't see it. You might as well just uh, <laughs> hold it all the way across the room. We'd have a better chance if somebody on the opposite side of the room was holding it. And that's a topic for another day. Some of you, uh, you'll know what we're talking about one day. <laughs> 
But um, so that's right. true. Yeah. So, so you come up to me, and uh, are you going to offer me a drink? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> no, but okay. So again, we have no money. I guess, and I, I really don't know why I chose to do this, but because we're white trash. I guess so. So, uh, so to take the pregnancy test, I end up using the Taco Bell cup <laughs> for <laughs> to collect what's needed for the pregnancy test. And, uh, you might be a redneck. <laughs> we are the same people that used our cat bowl that was from the hospital that would collect urine. That was how we fed our cat. Now we're we're using a Taco Bell cup. That's how we found out that, about our son Blake. Uh, congratulations, Blake. We should have called you Taco Yearwood or something. And so, uh, but uh, yeah, she has this cup as she comes in there, and I remember her looking at me. And you yeah, tell. so I I think I was just kind of in shock. I remember coming around the corner, and you're on the phone, and I'm like, "Get off the phone!" <laughs> and I'm, I don't know what's going on, and I and I see that, and then I'm like in shock, like you know, like looking at her. I can still remember that feeling, <laughs> and like looking at her and thinking, you, "You think it's true?" I was thinking probably reckon the tacos has uh, tainted the test or something, <laughs> but. Uh, but no, we. It says that you are pregnant, mm -hmm. and then we. Oh yeah, I remember being so excited, and of course, you know, with the first baby, um, everything is new, everything is fresh, and um, so it it was a good pregnancy. Um, and our son is now he's twenty four. Um, and we've been very blessed with him. And Well, you end up making a doctor's appointment, and we went to the doctor, and we found mm -hmm. out. And every time we go by Decatur, there's a place that we used to love their chicken fingers, oh, and we yeah. didn't eat out very often or celebrate because we said we didn't have any money. But I remember going there. What was the name of that Princeton's. place? Princeton's. Uh, it was Princeton. Some of you <laughs> that are our age might remember it was right there on the Beltline. <laughs> now, it, let me say, it was a fancy place, but... The only thing you really liked to eat there was what? Chicken fingers. So, anybody that doesn't know Heath should know that when we go to a restaurant, it doesn't matter how fancy it is, he's probably going to order the same thing that the 10-year-old would order. I have the, I have a anxiety. You know how people have a panic? I can have my mind made up. I want something else. And then all of a sudden, everybody in the family is screaming their order, and they're trying to do that. And all of a sudden, when it comes to me, I just I will go back to just the same thing almost at every place. It isn't always chicken fingers, but it's like it may be a hamburger with just a mustard and ketchup only, or something like that, <laughs> or chicken fingers. And so they laugh when I hit panic mode. It's chicken fingers. Yeah, you do that every time, but. So we end up, we, we eat there, and I remember celebrating, and we still, when we go by there, it's changed uh, names about 500 times since then. I'm but not even sure it's a restaurant I, I don't anymore. either, yeah. but uh, that was a big moment. We found out that pregnancy, you said, went well. Mm -hmm. You you end up having Blake. Yeah, um, it, it was a good time, and, um, and, and I think the next important note here is that during all this, the Lupron days, the the menopause time, and the pregnancy time, and even in the months that followed having our first child, those symptoms I was having with endometriosis had greatly reduced. Um, and so it was almost like being cured. 
And you got to realize this. So we were looking forward to having the baby and everything, and it was during my basketball season. Y'all remember the basketball season that we talked about that I couldn't miss any games or anything for our honeymoon, hardly, the, <laughs> a couple of years earlier. So we're playing basketball, and Amanda was my bookkeeper. Well, Amanda went further than nine months with, with this baby. <laughs> yes, and, and the uh, last, almost two weeks over. <laughs> the last little bit, uh, she started to swell pretty good. Oh, yeah. I remember having nightmares, like nightmares. I was due during the county tournament. And the, and the county tournament, for those of you that are from around this area, is played at Wallace State Coliseum. Mm -hmm. And you're right in front of everybody. It has a sunken floor. And the, the when you keep the scorebook, you don't blend into the stands. You are sitting down on the floor. Yeah, you're on the court with the players, with the coaches. And, and, and so this nightmare I kept having over and over again, I would dream that... I was at the table keeping the book while you're coaching and my water breaks and it breaks in such a way that it, there's, it's everywhere all over the court and the players start slip sliding. <laughs> <laughs> That's the nightmare I had over and over again. <laughs> so one day when we make a movie of this, it's going to be interesting <laughs> and all these things your, your, your brain was coming up with. <laughs> But here's the thing, one of my memories with that, and I don't recommend this. This is a disclaimer. Uh, I can still see Amanda at about nine and a half months pregnant. And we lived out in Timbuktu, like I said, on the back road. I see Amanda with her tennis shoes on, jogging down the uh, dirt road, the gravel road. And, I, and I'm hollering, what are you doing? And so she is just trying to allow herself to go into labor. Oh, I was just miserable. I'm just miserable. And, yeah. I mean, we could go into more stories even when Blake was born. We were we were so young, didn't understand everything <laughs> as, as the baby was being born. Uh, we survived it. Blake was born. Everything was great. So, um, so take it from there. Yeah, so, so back to my endometriosis. Like, after Blake was born and um, my body was back in a rhythm, uh, everything was good for a while. Um, and about, when he was about a year old, I started having symptoms again. My cycles got worse again. Um, everything uh, started getting a little worse as far as pain I was experiencing. And uh, so it was time to talk to my doctor again about, you know, what should I do now at this point. Um, and when Blake was about a year and a half old, uh, I remember us talking about it. We weren't we weren't ready to have another kid. Really, no, I we weren't qualified to have the one we had. No, and, and we sure didn't have any more money hardly at the time. And that's the thing, you know. A lot of times people talk about having kids. They want to wait till when it's a better time. I don't know that there ever is a be better mm. time. It's just on God's time. You know, God will provide. I hope you're out there. I hope you're a believer that's listening. If you're not. The reason we do this broadcast is try to point people to God and and let you learn from some of our mistakes, some of the things that we did. But, you know, I remember you talking about that when we when you, you were having those difficulties and the doctor, you know, was talking about, uh, you know, you, you may want to try for another kid because we were starting to worry at that point, really, that we might be able to even have another kid. And um, so... 
when you started talking about having a baby again, I'm thinking Blake's only a year old. You know, in your mind, you're thinking the baby's going to come immediately, so they're going to be a year apart. Well, even if you get pregnant right off the bat, they're going to be almost two years apart. But, so pick it up yeah, from there. Yeah, so when he was about a year and a half old is when we decided, well, if my endometriosis is coming back, we just, if it's the Lord's will, you know, we'll have another baby. So we just... Uh, stop taking precaution and um and we thought it like yeah. again remember with with blake we thought it would take a while for her body to get to mm -hmm. going well again and it was within a couple of months she was pregnant and this time it was in the first month yeah first month uh way different this time i wasn't so excited to take a test i didn't even take a test we, i knew i was pregnant yes taco bell was probably closed down or something at that <laughs> point right now they had heard what we had done they had heard what we'd done they were they, they wouldn't let us back in we were barred you know how you have a people's uh, posters at the uh, post office or something if they're wanted they had your picture on there but uh she said that there was no need to take a test you just knew i just knew yeah mm -hmm. and so uh so here we are again uh which was great for my endometriosis you know i had managed to get pregnant again i um, should have had more children maybe i should have i don't know but uh so everything was better and um, after we had our daughter, uh, who's now 22, Bailey. um, we, you know, there were several months that, um, I was doing good, no pain, um, everything was going okay. And then, um, my symptoms started coming back. And, um, at that time in our lives, there were, I had started working, um, we had built a house at that point, just lots of other things going on in our life. And um, we came to a place where we did make the decision not to have any more children. And uh, so I had my tubes tied when, when Bailey was about, I think she was about a year old when I had my tubes tied. And, you know, that was a simple procedure. I didn't have any kind of complications with the surgery. But almost immediately, um, my symptoms with endometriosis increased in severity. Um, my, my cycles became um, irregular. I had a lot of pain. Um, and, and then here I've become, again, this wife that why would you want to be married to me? Well, and so, you know, everything was changing at, at that point. We've been blessed with two kids. Body was doing that. So you had a hysterectomy at uh, yes. 28. Yeah. So when about a year after I had my tubes tied, it, it had gotten to the point where, um, it, well, it was just so bad that there was really nothing else we could do. And so... We made the decision um, to have a hysterectomy. I was 28 years old, um, and they did, and that was a tough decision. You know, I remember all these weird thoughts I had in my head, you know, of, well, what if one day I might need my uterus again, even though I knew we weren't having any more children, but I remember I kind of had to get to the place where I thought, okay, Amanda, if this was a kidney that was giving you this much trouble, would you have the same reservations about having that kidney removed. And, I mean, you know, just those thoughts that your your head, you know, your mind plays tricks on you. And um, so it was a hard decision, but we did decide, um, and I had a hysterectomy. 
Um, and, you know, thinking about that, I didn't think about it at the time because you're not thinking about divorce. You're not thinking mm-hmm. about anything else. But, you know, you were young for, to have a hysterectomy and ended mm-hmm. up having to have a complete hysterectomy. Yeah. And, you know, if something had ever happened between us, that would have been a pretty bad thing. And I don't know mm-hmm. that we were, I, I, we were always ignorant with a whole lot. I don't think we thought long terms, but that lets you know, we, we thought about being together the, forever, you know. It, oh yeah, it, it there, was, yeah, there was not a question of that. Um, but, it, you know, even though that was hard and those were hard times, you know, I look back at it now and I think, my goodness, how incredible, um, how incredibly blessed we are and, and looking back and seeing how God was in every step of the way. Um, and after my hysterectomy, um, we, we've not had any more problems. I've not had any more physical problems. And, um, and so, so that part's been good. And, you know, it's just, it's something that's hard to talk about, but I think a lot of people, struggle with it and even if it's not endometriosis anything that can interrupt the intimacy between a husband and a wife is a stumbling block that the devil can use um, to drive a wedge between you and you know how we navigated that and didn't uh, fight that that didn't divide us I mean I look back at it and I'm in awe because I don't know how we got through that. I honestly don't really. I mean, we're talking about this, and it's and I think about it and I remember all those. That was some bad times and bad things, but I really don't remember bad arguments or bad situations where mm-hmm. stuff was going on. It's kind of like I that we didn't think much about it, and you know. So as we talk about that, one thing we're going to kind of close with a little bit, right near the end of this. But you talked about when the doctor did the surgery, it was a lot worse than he actually anticipated. And you might want to share that because that leads in kind of how good God was to us. Right. And so, like, um, I mean, I knew I had endometriosis. We had established that. But what I didn't know until after the hysterectomy when my doctor was able to send off my uterus to try to, you know, assess it to make sure there wasn't any other problems that we needed to be concerned about um, there were also, what they found was that there were uh, growths, or I don't know if I should call them nodules, or, you know, like, it wasn't CS, but we'll say growths inside my uterus that um, was interrupting my cycles. But just looking back at that now and thinking, how what a miracle, number one, what a miracle uh, conception in and of itself is. Um, being able to conceive a child and then that whole process that happens and how it attaches to the inside of the uterus. And now looking back and knowing that my uterus not only had issues with endometriosis, but the actual inside of my uterus itself had problem areas that it's a miracle that those two babies attached. And, um, you know, and we never had to take any fertility drugs, anything like that. So the Lord was really blessed us, you know, with the both children and everything. Later on, we do look back. We wish we would have had a third child, but it wasn't really meant to be at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, God knew what we needed and how many. But, uh, I, you know, I would have liked to have had another one about four years after m- <laughs> my daughter just because we couldn't financially, we knew we couldn't afford more than that at one time. Of course, we, that would mean we would have a, 
and now that we've gotten the older two out of college, we would one have another one in one college another, now. Yeah, and so <laughs> keep on and on. Yeah. Well, uh, Amanda, you've got a little scripture you want to share? Yeah, uh, just today as I was thinking about us recording the this time in our life, I was um, drawn to the some of the scripture in Ephesians about um, in chapter 3 where it's talking about having uh, strength by the Spirit and the Lord lifting you up and taking care of you, but especially in chapter 3, verse 20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And, you know, and that's where we were. It was God has blessed us more than Heath and Amanda could have ever imagined when or we deserved. were... Uh, yeah, especially more than we could have deserved. And, you know, looking back at it now and just being uh, humbled and in awe of everything that God's done uh, for us over the last 27 years. Yep. Well, we have been blessed. And like I said, I know this hadn't been a, a interesting topic probably, but we just felt it might be something that might might relate to a few of you out there and it may not be endometriosis as she mentioned it may be other things you know knowing now but there's probably other doctors we could have found out more there's probably other uh you know treatments and things that are now available that we're not even aware of but i just encourage if you've got some problems like that or something that's going on you know research it try to find other doctors get second opinions anything that's out there and so uh, one thing that I wanted to mention again before we close, you know, uh, Amanda, we've talked about our marriage conference that's coming up, mm-hmm. and um, that's September the 10th, 11th, and 12th. And I think a lot of you, I don't want you to get spooked off about it when you hear the word marriage conference. We talked about this before. All we're doing is just having a weekend that we want friends to come and hang out together. We are creating an excuse for you to have time with your spouse, to enjoy time alone with your spouse. I promise you there's not much going on that uh, we're not uh, these qualified doctors or therapists (laughs) or anything that's there. What we're simply looking at is uh, on Friday night, most everybody will just be doing their own thing with their family, but you could eat there if you would like to, or you can come up after ball games, whatever. If you wanted to get a room, you're just simply paying for your rooms. You uh, And then Saturday, we're going to have a little bit of a meeting uh, mm-hmm. time, you, that, and that's about it. And then you've got time to be for the whole afternoon with your family. Some of your Auburn fans, some of your Alabama fans, the ball game will be on at times. If you're really wanting to watch it, uh, we'll have our times worked around that. But the biggest thing is, it's just giving you an excuse to get away for a weekend. And if you need to leave and come on back that day, that's fine. If you wanted to spend the night on uh, Saturday, we will have a service uh, Sunday morning. It would be that morning and y'all could do whatever you would like to do. But So if you want to stay one night, you stay one night. If you want to stay two nights, you stay two. And if you don't want to stay any night, we'll still let you come in and, and, and see us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, But, um, hey, we would love to have you again. Think about it. And, really, it's a great place to get away. Uh, you, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, goodness knows we need to get away. So yep. we're going to enjoy it. Whether y'all are there or not, we're going to enjoy some time. <laughs> well, if you have any questions, feel free to contact us. Again, how can they get in touch with you? Um, the easiest way to contact us is through our email address, and that's missionlhc 
at gmail.com. All right. Well, we do uh, appreciate you joining us again. Hopefully, we're going to have some lively topics. This was a serious one. But uh, I, if you've got any uh, topics you'd like us to discuss or something, just please let us know because we're going to run out of ideas before long. So if you don't give us an idea, we're going to be calling all of our friends to join us. <laughs> all right. Thank you all, and you all have a great day. <laughs>